Join us, friends. Great Scott, small guy. Do they know what we have in store for them? They will if they tighten up. And don't double dribble. To the Grey Ghost, small guy? Exactly, old chum. No time to waste. To the Grey Ghost. We have not a minute to spare. It's showtime, friends. All right, Trey. This is the Spy Guy, and this is... I'm glow trotting with Trey. And we are not wishing Cotton was a monkey. That's a fact. So, Trey, what are we going to talk about today? They've got a new Elvis movie that came out in 2022 with Baz Luhrmann. And that has been a hot topic for a long time. And because we do a lot of Elvis history content, uh, people have asked us to comment about this. And we've really kind of kept a low profile uh, from a standpoint of making videos and that kind of stuff. I've made several comments about that. And uh, it seems to be a hot topic. And what's so funny about it is, you know, our whole thing is to go out and find Elvis history to to solve the things that have been messed up, bust the myths, try to get the history as correct as possible. If something has been <clears throat> told that's not true, to undo that, to just get down to what really happened, which in, in history is very, very, very important. And somehow this Elvis history stuff has become political. And I don't mean political in a, uh, uh, in a politics way. I mean political as in, if you align with this group, then you have to say that this person is being truthful about everything they say. But if you don't align with that group, then you could say that person is a liar, but my guy's not. And it's all these different little factions and all these political things. And it's all spilled over into the new Elvis movie. And what I mean by that is it seems like that the people that have something to gain financially, if you will, are endorsing this movie wholly. And even though they know that it's not factually correct. And they're just going, oh, well, it's still bringing in Elvis fans. It'll be all right. You know, we're, we're still getting new fans and people to come in. So, so my argument is, is how does lying to someone to get them to come benefit you in the long term when you could have just as easily told a true story that is more fascinating than the story that was told and it's factual and it gets somebody fired up and then they go, okay, well, I already know all these facts. Let me delve into more facts where now what we've got to do with them is we've got to completely erase everything that you think that you knew after you watch this movie, because 80% of the movie is not factually correct. Well, Billy, you know, this is going to be a hot topic because you know, <laughs> people have asked about spa guy. Spock, what do you think about that Elvis movie? Trey, what do you think of that Elvis movie? And yes, you and I, we've uh, commented on a lot of posts. I've argued with uh, the same people over and over again. And I'm just, I'm tired of arguing with those people. And I'm glad you people that I'm arguing with will probably be watching this and listening to the audio. So and let's yeah, say this real quick. We don't care what y'all think. I don't care what you think. <laughs> if you all. think it's okay to lie about this history yeah. and spread false history, then I don't care what you think. It is not okay. Billy, I think it's safe to say that you and I, we're not here to, to make friends. We are, I no. mean, as far as, yeah, you know, we make friends, but my goals of doing these videos is a, not to make money, 
because I'm stupid if that is is my goal to make money. Okay. <laughs> All right. Of the work I put into this on top of everything else that I do, Spy Guy. Two, it, it's not to 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 sugarcoat this kind of stuff. We Billy and I and Billy and I don't even call ourselves Elvis historians, do we, Billy? You yeah. know, I I mean I'm just a dude that likes to, to take my camera and find a stage that Elvis played in in 1954 and stand on that stage and tell the history and bring that story back to life for me and for the spa guy. And it brings it for you and in little Jim down the road and Jamie over there and Susan. Hey, that's awesome too, because that is why I do these stories. So yeah, I'm not here to, I don't care. I don't care what, what you think. I do care my opinion. And my opinion is this. That Elvis movie in 2022 set back the Elvis story that Elvis lived. What he, he did this 60 years ago. It's now thrown in the garbage, guys, in my opinion, because now I am talking to people when I'm filming these episodes and they'll, they'll, they'll be like, so what do you think of the Elvis movie? And I say, well, I thought it sucked. And they'll look at me like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. and they can't believe because I'm doing a video about Elvis. I would think that that movie sucked. And then I tell them about like, it's just that was not Elvis Presley. So I just feel like and these people believe what they watched in the movie theater. So I just feel like this has really hurt Elvis. The, the real man that re- he was a real person. He wasn't a superhero. He was a, a real man that had an incredible story, an incredible life. And as I said, before that movie came out, they don't need to make stuff up for Elvis. Elvis's story should have been told just like he lived. And then all of those kids that for some reason y'all want to become fans so badly, they would have really become a fan of this guy. I have not seen one time, Billy, on my Facebook page. And I'm I'm friends with a lot of younger people because of um, the basketball that I'm in and uh the uh, teammates and, and um people and your in, age in, in the community my age too i haven't seen one post about elvis at all and then i get on here on these little forums and they read about like how it's built brought this whole generation to elvis presley and i'm not seeing it on my end and i'm not seeing it on my app for youtube Cause I'm getting, I've got, I've had over 3 million views, Billy on YouTube mm-hmm. and I'm not seeing those numbers on that, that younger generation grow too much. Because their, their whole argument was that they're going to watch this and then they're going to want to know the real history. No, they watch that and they think that is the real history. And, and that's, and that's the end of that. Now they may go buy records and all that kind of stuff, but they're not trying to dig into it and, uh, and get to the bottom of what really happened. But let me say this. I wanted to, to bring you something you brought out. Let me say this. Uh, you mentioned that we're filming now and, and we do make a little bit of money, but it's a tiny bit of money for the amount of work that it is. But the reality is, is Trey and I were doing this before we ever rolled cameras. We were going, I was doing this uh, in, the first time I came to Graceland was 1988. Um, <clears throat> and I borrowed a camera so I could film from a friend but I didn't have anybody show it to. There was no YouTube. I was doing it for me. I wanted to go learn these things and film and learn the, the details 
of the Elvis story and find things and meet people. And Trey did the same thing. Look at that, guys. That's old stuff. This is all Elvis stuff that I have filmed when I first got a camera back in 2010 when I first started was, going to Elvis. Weeks. Is that DV? Yes. I filled these tapes up. So I was doing what I'm doing now, bringing it to you guys. I was just filming for myself because I wanted to learn about Elvis's real R-E-A-L life story. So I have some incredible things in here, which helps me understand the real man more. And that's why now I'm able to do with Billy uh, uh, these shows for you guys, because I understand I've heard things. I've learned things. I've been around people that are no longer living uh, that are on these captured on these tapes. And We've both been friends with a lot of real Elvis insiders that sadly have now passed. And what has happened is our whole channel is about, from a history standpoint, wishing cotton was a monkey. And what that is, is when someone is modifying the history to their advantage for money, for fame, for whatever it may be. So there's a Little Rascals episode. I'll go over that again real quick, Trey, where um, Spanky is sitting there and he has this little friend. His name's Cotton. And this monkey has broken out of the circus and he had seen the monkey and he really wanted to have a pet monkey. So he was there saying, he had his head down. He said, I sure do wish Cotton was a monkey. I sure do wish Cotton was a monkey. And he didn't know that Cotton was sitting there, a real monkey, with some explosives. Cotton threw the explosives, or I mean, the monkey threw the explosives. And when he did, Cotton jumped up and ran off. And the monkey jumped down where he was sitting. And when Spanky opened his eyes and looked, there's a monkey <laughs> in the place of Cotton. So he wished Cotton was a monkey. You know, and what's happening is, is in these history things, these people are wishing Cotton was a monkey in a way where they're making up history. They're modifying what really happened. And there's, when you're looking at history, let's think about it from this standpoint. There's dates and times. There's, there's static history. And then there's history that could be um, uh, a perceived history. And what I mean is, me and you may have been at the same event. Let's say we were at an Elvis concert, uh, May 8, 1976. I don't even know if there was a concert that day. But let's say we were at that concert. If we told what we saw that day, we may tell something different. What is not up for argument is the date that it happened, the stage that it happened on, the city. Those things are static. That does not move. That is a stationary piece of history that is not up for debate. And so when you start getting into parts of history where there's um, uh, where people are wanting to debate about what happened, you know, he was his favorite. He that was his favorite. This was his favorite. All that kind of stuff that that is slightly up for debate. But there's some stationary things in the Elvis history, static things like. The Memphis Mafia, Okay, yeah. like Elvis's giving. Elvis was a legendary giver, not mentioned in the movie. At all. If you want to fire somebody up about someone else, show them giving away Cadillacs. Mm -hmm. Show them giving away houses, watches, necklaces, bracelets. You know, they didn't touch on any of that. How? That is what makes Elvis Elvis. So I, I, I can't even wrap my mind around a movie 
that claims to be an Elvis movie, which claim to be a biopic. And what does the word, let's talk about that. Bio, biography, which does not mean a made-up story about someone. It means a story about a life. Pick, meaning motion picture. A story about someone's life, motion picture. As soon as Baz started getting called out on this thing, got caught with his pants down, lying and fibbing and making up stuff, suddenly they ran from the word biopic. <laughs> when did that happen, Trey? Do you remember? Right before it hit theaters. So what <laughs> I imagine is Baz and them had a had a showing at some point. And real Elvis fans watched it, and they heard real Elvis fans talk about that. Elvis didn't do that. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And they're like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. We, we got to make sure that they know that this is not a biopic. Well, hell, man. You Excuse my language. You, <laughs> you've been saying, Baz, Baz. For at least two years years that this was a biopic for Elvis so I was hoping to see a great movie about Elvis Presley man and I'm going to give you your credit it looks visually interesting and that's what cinematic is man you know I'm you know it's visually interesting media and you did that but y'all did all your homework on all that and you didn't care about Elvis Presley's real story it's almost like you took his story y'all were probably in a room probably about 15 or 16 of you, all of you Elvis historians, you know, all of you sitting around a table, y'all going back and forth about this story. And then that one dude there at the end of the corner, he probably knew a little bit more about Elvis than the rest 15 of you people. But you didn't listen to the cat down the, down the thing. You know, if I was sitting at the table, guys, I'd have brought up a lady named Joyce uh, uh, Bavo. And I'd showed y'all a picture of the, of the girl. And then I'd have told you about the donut story. And then I would have told you the real version of the donut story from Joyce, what Joyce told me. All right. And then I'd right. be like, oh, you know, you cast a really pretty brunette that looks like this girl. You drive Elvis up in a ghetto there in Washington, D.C. with a beautiful uh, donut lit up up here. Retro 1971 donut for that, that the donut store that it really truly was, which was a famous place that everybody in the north would understand about. Man. And you pull Elvis up in a Cadillac with that beautiful girl that he wasn't supposed to be with in the back seat, and Sonny West right there up front, and then all these young black kids. And well, her twin sister is there too. And his twin sister. So now you only got Joyce. You got another Joyce on the other side. <laughs> Elvis is in the middle, and these two beautiful brunettes that are hot are sitting beside him. And then, uh, uh, hey Sonny, go up in there, give me some donuts. Go get me a twin. It was actually the driver that went and got the donuts. Yeah, and, but... and, and I even know the driver's name. And uh, and that would be included in the movie. The real that's in a video. That's in a video, friends. You're gonna see that. It's on the channel. So anyway, Billy. So so back to my point. Well, we talked to Joyce. And then all those little kids in this black community, they come over and they realize it's Elvis Presley's. And these little kids are like 11 years old, you know. And they're all and they're you know they're black. They're black kids. And here's a white singer rock star in the dang back seat during this time in our country where tension and all that stuff is going on. It's the same story that they're trying to do, which, which was fake in this Elvis movie. Elvis really lived this. Elvis loved the black community. Elvis had a lot of, uh, uh, he stood up for a lot of his black friends that were on tour with him, the Sweets and everyone. And that's true stories. Elvis did crash an all black WDIA show in Memphis. And that's why there's a picture of him and B.B. King, not on Bill Street in Club Handyman. Elvis really lived this, and that would have been more powerful, in my opinion, 
than what you gave to the world to believe. Now, now I've got to go set the record straight and I get cussed out. Yeah. Well, they're trying to make this this movie woke, if you will. So let's back up to um, a, a particular scene that's in there with Jimmy Rogers right. Snow. So, you know, friends, the, the interesting thing is Trey and I know Jimmy Rogers Snow. And I don't mean kind of know him. I could pick up the phone right now and call Jimmy yep. and say, Jimmy, tell me what happened with this. So in the movie, he's depicted as they're sitting outside this place where they've set up a, uh, a circus type thing where they're setting up a show. And Jimmy puts That's All Right Mama on a record player. And that's the first time that the Colonel hears that song. That's not what happened at all. The Colonel heard about Elvis from um, the lady that was the co-writer of Heartbreak Hotel. Um, uh, why is her name escaping me? Um, uh, come on, Billy. The guy that wrote Never Been to Spain's Mama. Yeah, yeah. What's um, her name? Uh, it'll come to me in just a minute. But anyway, she's the one that made the colonel aware because Elvis was put into package shows down in Florida where Andy Griffith, we just talked about in the last uh, podcast, uh, was doing package shows with the Colonel May and Axton. with Hank Snow. And do what? May Axton? Yeah, May Axton. Yeah. yeah. And that's Hoyt Axton's mother. May is the one. She lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and she was influential in that in that area, booking shows and doing all that kind of stuff. And she saw Elvis and made the Colonel aware of Elvis. And she ended up writing his very first hit on RCA. Um, but that's what really happened. And they also depicted his father, Hank Snow, as getting upset because Elvis was playing on the Hank Snow shows, on the package shows, and he was closing the first half where Hank would close the second half. And what was happening is after they closed the first half, the kids that were there to see Elvis would leave. Yeah. So what ended up happening was Hank was smart enough to go, okay, well, we're going to let him close the end of the show. Right. That way they could play as long as they want to. And we'll keep the people because he was a businessman. Business he man. also was with the Colonel when the Colonel was signing the contract to represent Elvis, to be his manager. Hank thought that he was in that deal. Now the Colonel messed him over on that deal. That did happen. <clears throat> and look, I'm not saying that the Colonel was a saint by any stretch, but the Colonel was a very smart businessman. And I believe no Colonel, no Elvis. Um, and the Colonel, you know, nobody bats a thousand in their life, even the Colonel. Did he make some mistakes in Elvis's career? Of course he did. But you know what? Here we are 46, 47 years later after Elvis is dead, and we're still talking about him. So the Colonel did something right. Yes, he and did. Um, so like it or not, the Colonel was a major part of Elvis's life. And in this movie, he's depicted as a buffoon. And he was not a buffoon. The Colonel made Elvis very, very, very famous and very, very, very rich. He's the one that did the RCA contract. He's the one that did the Ed Sullivan show. He did the Steve Allen show. He set all of these things into motion that without his ability, nobody could have done. He had two managers before the Colonel. He had Scotty Moore and he had, which I knew personally, Scotty Moore and he had uh, Bob Neal. Bob Neal couldn't make this happen. Bob Neal was smart enough to know that the Colonel was the guy. In fact, a little tidbit for you. From a standpoint of 
Um, and I'm sorry, I sound a little angry and I know Trey does too, but we're, we're <laughs> passionate about this subject. I'm going to try to tone it down a little bit. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah, I'll get so, out and stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little wound up about it. Um, hey, but that's what the fans want. The, the ones yes. that what we're saying, they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate this. Oh, there's people that want the truth. There are. And but there's people that are willing to excuse the truth for money, and I'm not willing to do that. But hold, hold on, before you let, let me let me finish my 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 thing that I was going to say right there. The colonel signed Elvis to RCA at the end of November of '55. He did not technically become Elvis's manager until the end of March 1956. So my point to you is is Bob Neal was smart enough to let the Colonel start doing the things that he knew that he needed to do to make Elvis famous while he was still his manager. He allowed the Colonel to do it. Basically, the last uh, really seven or eight or nine months of Bob Neal's one-year contract, the Colonel was really handling it more than Bob Neal was. And I'm sorry, Trey, go ahead. Well, I wanted to make this point, and the reason that I get it, uh, uh, mad about this movie. The reason I'm sure the spy guy will agree after I read this. And the reason I'll always stand up for how fake this movie is. And I, I believe it was disrespectful to Elvis. I believe it's disrespectful to Colonel Parker. It's disrespectful to all the Memphis mafia It's disrespectful to all the girlfriends that were not even in the movie. And it's disrespectful to the other people. That's true people. A part of Elvis Presley's story Friday night, Billy, I received this message from Shannon Snow Rogers. And Hank Snow's daughter. And and Boz, I hope you I mean to... uh, uh Jimmy Rogers Snow's daughter, Hanks. So and, that's that's Hank Snow's granddaughter. Yes. And Boz, I hope at some point you listen to this show <laughs> or someone, because this is why I'm mad about your movie. And I think you had a great opportunity, and I think you blew it. I really do. And this is what the granddaughter said. As Jimmy Snow's youngest daughter. I really appreciate you for this interview, allowing the family to set the record straight on the inaccuracies depicted in the recent film. It did not portray my dad or granddad correctly or factually, either in their personal history, nor in their interactions and associations with Elvis or Colonel Parker. Again, thank you for this. I'll be sharing this video to my social media. By the way, at the timestamp of your video at 1249-ish, the picture of Elvis with his arm around my dad and the other around a young woman with the dark hair, 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 that's my mother, Carol Lee Cooper, also an entertainer in her own right. So, guys, the granddaughter of Hank Snow, the daughter of Jimmy Rogers Snow, who has depicted both of them in that crazy film, she wrote to me and thanked me for what I've done for her dad and granddad and standing up for their real story in this fake Elvis movie. How sad is that, that Jimmy Rogers, who is still with us and still so awesome and cool, is portrayed as a real person, part of Elvis Presley's life, to make look like something he never was. And so think about if, if the granddaughter told me her dad and granddad's not depicted correctly in that, how was Elvis depicted in that spy guy? Not even close to what, and what really happened. Elvis, what would Elvis Presley, the guy that we've researched and learned about, what in the world would he have thought of this movie here in 2022? He would have shot the movie screen. 
seven it's minutes. Like he shot TVs. Seven minutes into it, no doubt, no doubt about it. It's just total crap. It's crap. Now, as Trey mentioned, visually, it's absolutely beautiful. Baz had an opportunity to make an epic movie, the because they did the homework. They did as far as from visual stuff. The, the way Graceland looked, when you see that, that wide shot of Graceland and they're circling around, it's breathtaking. And then I see the Messerschmitt, and they're riding around on the front lawn with it. Elvis had already given the Messerschmitt away before he got Graceland. That was, that was given to, to Lansky, Bernard Lansky. So, so, guys, that was my favorite part of watching that Elvis movie. I, I watched it with the spy guy in Las Vegas, of all places. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, that shot pops up on the screen from a wide shot up above Graceland. And that Messerschmitt is, is riding around that front line. And the spy guy said, what? The Messerschmitt, what? <laughs> yes. Everybody around him looked at Billy. And Billy forgot he was in the theater. I thought, <laughs> I thought, he, I thought you'd go shoot the screen out, Billy. Yeah. They took, it was kind of like, um, you know, it, you've got this, this uh, what's the word for it? You've got this thing where uh, all of these people have the cliche Elvis in their mind. And what I mean is whenever you talk to someone that really doesn't know, but they think they know, they'll make up stories about Elvis and they'll go, oh yeah, well, Elvis came into my town. Uh, you know, he stopped off at this place and I met him over at this cafe and had a peanut butter and banana sandwich with him. You know, and he was driving a, a pink Cadillac and he was wearing, uh, you know, white pants with pink stripes and, and he, you know, had his pompadour and he, you know, so they do all of the cliche things. And that's what Baz did with this. They took all of the history, the pieces of it, the visual pieces and threw them in a basket and shook them up and just brought them out at these odd times in the movie. It was like the, all these different things that, that were not together ever were suddenly together in this movie. And look, that's minor stuff, but it's still part of the story. They they literally take you from uh Audubon, from no from Tupelo. Lauderdale mm -hmm. to Graceland. Yeah. Right? Yes, they did. Okay, so they leave out from Lauderdale, you've got Saffron's, Alabama, Lamar, Getwell, Audubon. Audubon was a very important part of Elvis's early career and early life. That was the part where they went from living in a rented house to owning a place. And there's an epic story there where the neighbors come knock on the door and say that they've all pulled their money together and they're going to buy his house so he can find somewhere else to live. And Elvis tells them, well, I'll just buy all y'all's houses. He did. And yeah. you know what? He could have done it. In 1956, in merch alone, from June to December 1956, because of Colonel Tom Parker setting up Elvis merchandise, hats, the little plastic guitars, record players, little bracelets, shoes with Elvis's likeness, all these different things, $26 million in sales in six months, 1956. Elvis could have bought 10 blocks. And he was actually very um, uh, conservative in buying Graceland for a hundred and, you know, they always say it was 105,000, but they'd leave out that he traded in the Audubon house. But the Audubon house was a place where he returned home from the Ed Sullivan show and swam in the pool. And then that night went to Rustwood Park and they depict the Rustwood Park thing. 
And but they depict the Rustwood Park thing as this crazy uh, thing where where he's doing his finger and it all goes wrong. That happened in Florida. The Rustwood Park thing was like almost a homecoming for Elvis that day. So that was a big deal. So they mixed all these things together. And look, I understand for time that you mix things, but but that that Rustwood Park show was a special thing for Elvis. He had just returned from Ed Sullivan. He was the guy, you know what I'm saying? So he's going to be there and he gets up there and goes, they tell me that I can't do anything, but for, you know, that didn't happen. And it he didn't happen. He sang uh, Trouble that was not even- uh, Out for two more years. It didn't even come out for two years. Really, the best part of that scene is at the very end, they, they have somebody knocking somebody off the stage. Some dude mm-hmm. decked somebody and the guy flips off the back. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, where was this big fight at? Yeah. And the best part is the Ku Klux Klan was down at um at uh over- Le- Levitt Park Shell, Overton Park right, Shell. Right. Uh, Ku Klux Klan didn't and- happen. Hey, they- the Ku Klux Klan rally didn't happen. Really, they made it up didn't. all the paper articles and they remember they flashed the newspaper articles on the screen. Yeah. None of that happened. Yeah. None of it didn't happen. Okay, uh, so let's talk about that. Let's go back to what Elvis was doing for for uh, for race relations in the fifties? Okay, so if you wanted to put something in this movie, if we're going to be woke and we're we're going to talk about race relations, Elvis did several things in 1956, 1957 during that time. One thing that he did, and there's photographic proof of it, was he did not like that they were having colored night at the fairgrounds. He did not like that. You know why? Because he thought it was wrong. So you know what he did? He knew that if he went down there, the newspaper was going to follow him and there was going to be pictures of a white boy at colored night. So guess what? You can find photos of him throwing the baseball there. He loved to knock the milk jugs down. And you could see Barbara Hearn standing there and it's all black people behind him. He was making a statement with that. He was saying that this is not right. He also showed up, as Trey mentioned earlier, at WDIA. Now, they're showing you in the movie, they depict Elvis getting mad at his mama, who's drinking liquor, okay? So they depict his mother as this alcoholic, out-of-control person that he cusses at, leaves in the car, which I can tell you that... Did Gladys drink? Yes. I do not have any conclusive proof that she was a liquor drinker. She drank beer. And the reason that we know that is several different people that would have known them at the time. Jimmy Roger Snow that we mentioned earlier told me that something that struck him, he was there in January of 1958. She died later that year. She died in August of that year. And he said something that really struck him was he came down to get breakfast when he was staying at Graceland. And Gladys was in the kitchen drinking a beer first thing in the morning. He had never seen anybody do that before. But she was not drinking hard liquor. Now, did she drink hard liquor? Maybe. I don't know. But I do know that she drank beer. But my whole point is, is the way that if Elvis didn't do anything else, when he saw his mother depicted that way, he would have probably torn the screen down in that place and been going after Lerman. I can say that. So they depict him as cussing his mama. I think he even said GD to her, didn't he? He said GD. And, and jumps in the car and goes down to Bill Street. 
drives through Bill Street and Parks, goes up to Club Handy and hangs out with Big Mama Thornton, um, B.B. King, Little and Richard. Little Richard. Okay, so guys, did not happen. First, in the 50s, white people didn't go to Bill Street. You didn't. It's not, That's not a thing. You had to have a sponsor to go to Bill Street. Trey knows two people <laughs> three. that lived... Uh, three people. One of them's passed away, but tell them, Trey, tell them about that little story about what they said about that. All right, guys. So on my Glow Trotting with Trey YouTube, you can go search it. Uh, I have an interview with Buzzy Forbes. I have an interview with um, Ronald Smith, and I have an interview with Farley Guy. Buzzy and Farley lived at Lauderdale Courts with Elvis before Elvis was famous. And knowing that this movie was coming up and just figuring since Boz Larman was the director what it was going to be about, uh, I knew I knew two years prior. I made sure to ask the same questions to all of all of them, and I asked them about Bill. Did it was did Elvis y'all go down to Bill and 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 Buzzy said hell no. <laughs> he, he said at five o'clock they shut Bill down. As far as it was shut down, you didn't white people didn't go down there during that time when they were in Memphis. And he said Elvis didn't go down there either. We didn't go. We didn't hang out there. We did hang out at a place called the Green Owl which I've located the Green Owl to be a block away from Lauderdale over there by the Suzor Theater where Elvis would go to movie theater. It shows that right across the, auditorium. Mm-hmm. It's the Green Owl. And it was a little it was a little beer joint. And uh, there was a guy that both uh, uh, Farley and Buzzy brought up. Elvis was fascinated by this dude that rigged a drum set and he would play it. Elvis liked that. No, it was a, a bucket. A bucket. Bass yes. player. That's right. That's it. it was a five-gallon bucket. Yeah. Billy said he said Elvis loved this guy. He said Elvis loved this guy. How incredible would that have been to find out and depicted that in a movie? Mm-hmm. So he said we went to the Green Owl. He he has no stories of them down on Bill Street. Ronald Smith told me he said for Elvis to have gotten into Bill Street back then, he would have had to know somebody to 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 have a sponsor to have a sponsor to get him into the clubs. Uh, at that at that. So and and the thing is, we would know about this. There would be stories of Elvis on Bill Street. Okay, there would be pictures of Elvis. Pictures yeah. of Elvis in '56. They were following him everywhere at that okay. time. You have one photo of Elvis and BB King, and it's backstage at the WIA or uh, a show WDIA. there. WDIA. WDIA show at the Ellis Auditorium, right down El Main. Billy. So let me tell them that story. So WDIA is a all black radio station. And that was where B.B. King got his start, uh, Rufus Thomas. Uh, There's a lot of different uh, people that would have been there during that time, a lot of different famous people, black people. So Elvis went to, every year they would do a fundraiser. Elvis went to that fundraiser to show his support. He couldn't sing because he was under contract, but he did get out there. There's You can find photos of him. The photos you're seeing with him and B.B. King were at that fundraiser. The photos you see with him and Rufus Thomas were at that fundraiser. He was there to support the local black radio station. Elvis didn't have to go do that, but he did that on, on purpose. Another thing that he did, Trey brought up earlier, and they, this is not depicted in the show one way or the other, but another thing that he did was uh, in at the Hilton in Las Vegas, they had these white angels on the wall, painted on the wall. And they had a fire alarm, and him and Red had gone down the back elevator and ended up in the showroom, which is where Elvis played, uh, over 600 shows. 
by the way, at there, they'll say 800 something, but that's not correct. Just another uh, wishing cotton was a monkey. And um, so, but Elvis did not like that they were, they did things like not wanting the sweet inspirations to stay at this hotel. They didn't want black people at this hotel. He didn't like that. So he actually took black paint while they were uh, during this fire alarm and went and painted those angels black. That's fact. He did go do that. And so we could, we could name thing after thing, after thing, after thing that he did in protest of the atrocities, the way uh, race relations were during his lifetime. He was against it. He didn't think he was any better than anyone else. He was raised there. His friend, when they lived at uh, uh, 1010 North Green in Tupelo, the last place he lived before he moved to Memphis, uh, uh, Bell, um, Sam Bell. first name? Sam Bell. Yeah. Sam and Elvis were best friends. Sam's a black man. They were best friends. He lived, he was one of only three or four families that lived in this area of Tupelo that were white. Everybody else was black in that area. Elvis grew up with black people. So this woke thing that they were trying to conjure with this is just um, uh, well, wrong on so many levels. Let's, let's, let's go to this point right here because I see this now all the time. I see it on the TikTok. I see it on Instagram now since this crazy movie was made. Now, you know, Elvis is still being talked about about being racist and stealing from black music. Everywhere mm -hmm. now. is everywhere now, boss. And the bottom line is this. Hey, Spy Guy, tell him why Elvis really sang Heart, uh, uh, um, Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, not Heartbreak Hotel. You're talking about uh, That's All Right, Mama. Um, the Bell Boys? I mean, Hound Dog. I'm saying Hound Dog. That's the, yeah, the I'm sorry. Yeah. Tell him what. Um, it was, uh, was Eddie Bell and the Bell Boys in Las Vegas. Elvis saw them when he was out there. Him and Scotty and Bill and DJ were out there doing a show. And he went to one of their shows, and he loved their version of Hound Dog. In right. fact, if you listen to Elvis's version, it sounds like their version. Big Mama Thornton recorded that about five years earlier. And by the way, Big Mama Thornton didn't write it. It was written by two Jewish men. <laughs> Big Mama Thornton didn't own that song. <laughs> she she paid royalties just like everybody else. So they're like, oh, that she wrote that song. And they said, oh, no, it was two Jewish guys that wrote a lot of Elvis songs that made a lot of money. So all this stuff is just so stupid that it blows my mind. So, and we're running, we're getting ready to run short of time, Trey. I knew that this was going to, um, uh, so let's talk about this. So Trey sees a lot, a lot of these groups, you've got all these Elvis Facebook groups and all this stuff, and they're so adamantly against Photoshop photos, which I agree. I do not like Photoshop photos of history because what it does is muddies the water. You look at a photo of it and it's well done. You can't tell if it's real or not real. Suddenly you start trying to figure out that history. Well, what's funny is these same groups that are adamantly against this are not against a Photoshop movie. That stuff was just made up. 80% of everything you see in this movie is BS. 80%. And that movie was entire world. The entire world saw this movie. The entire, there's people that knew nothing about Elvis and now thinks they saw a movie about Elvis Presley because it was called Elvis. And so, uh, hey, that you, you're you're crazy about five people in these little Elvis groups. You're crazy about five people uh, seeing a fake photo of Elvis, but you you love this Elvis movie, and it's a That's fake. fact. It's, it's, it's worse than a fake photo. It's a fake movie about Elvis. And we and I call it Felvis. 
Um, but we have a lot of other people that do not care for the movie as well. Uh, uh, Linda Thompson, Ginger, mm-hmm. neither one of those people are even mentioned. And they were, Linda Thompson was there for almost five years. Ginger was there for the last nine months of Elvis's life. That's another thing, Billy. And and that's another thing is, man, when I think of Elvis, I think of the coolness about the guy. I think about the all the women. I think about him buying cattle. A lot of women. Okay. They didn't show that. All I no. saw, all I saw, in my opinion, I left that theater and I think I told you and Sandy Miller, uh, the gr- a girl that actually knew Elvis, watched the theater movie with us that night. Stump that was actually in the band with Elvis, and they both didn't like it either. And I think I told you guys this, Billy. I think I said, "Man, I just felt like Elvis was a miserable person." Yeah. Well, they made you believe that if you watched that movie and you didn't know better, you believe that Elvis and Priscilla got a divorce, and the next day he died. Mm-hmm. In the story, they got a divorce, and they uh, split up in seventy-two. Got a divorce in seventy-three. He had. <laughs> four more years of his life life. uh, with two beautiful women. Uh, Another little thing that, uh, that I want to bring up real quick is that uh, because we're, we're getting ready to, we're running short of time. Part two, Billy. Yeah, we may have to do a part two. Um, Yeah. There's just, there's just so much that's so crazy in this movie. But what I was going to say is there's people that just like Trey and I, do not like this movie, but they're scared to say it because of peer pressure, because there's so many people that are willing to give it a pass because they know somebody or they don't want somebody to get mad with them, all that kind of stuff. And guys, that's what I'm talking about, history and politics. That is on its face wrong. If you are pressuring somebody, and like Trey said, all he's got to do is make a little comment and go, "Hey, I don't, I don't think that um, that um, the movie was very good, and I think it was bad for Elvis." And boy, you get lambasted. Oh man, I've been I've this been this video right here get lambasted. But guys, if you're listening to this and you want to lambast us, just hear me. I don't care what you think. You are wrong. This is bad for Elvis. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tied I up. don't care. Like so, that means like we got three much. minutes left. Tied up. Like you. Like you very much. <laughs> the bottom line is I think Elvis' Elvis's real story is so fascinating. And that's the only reason that I would ever become a fan. Okay. Because I was captivated by Elvis and all the girls. Okay. I wanted to learn about Elvis after that. And then I started learning about Elvis. And then I learned about all the things that this guy did. And he was a Southern guy, just like me. All right. But I mean, a guy that could kiss forty-two women on the lips in two and a half minutes—why was that not depicted? You know, I With mean, your I, boyfriend sitting there. Oh, and, and, and husbands, and husbands, and the girls just taking off from them. You know, you know, Elvis just planting kisses left and right. And so I knew I was 15, 16, No, I was eighteen, nineteen years old when I saw that. So I became a fan. So I know other people my age would have become a fan of Elvis by seeing that in this 2022 film. Boz Larman had a great opportunity because it looked awesome visually, which his movies look interesting. But Boz Larman is a director that does fantasies. Romeo and Juliet, uh, um, uh, The Great Gatsby. When I learned Larman was directing this movie, my head fell because I knew he was not the right director to do this because I knew he was going to turn this 
Elvis movie into what he gave you, you guys. A very over-the-top fantasy on Elvis, and it made Elvis look feminine to me. And I'm going to say that. And they even, Boz Larman even wrote it in there, bringing up Elvis' eyeshadow and makeup. How Colonel Parker said he looked like a girl to him. I mean, come mm -hmm. on. Elvis, he does shot the screen out right then and there, man. It yeah. been at that point. Come on, man. So that's my take on that crap. It's crap. It sucks. <laughs> and I'll say it again. It sucks. Glow Riding with Trey thinks Elvis 2022 by Boz Larman sucked. Sorry. Elvis. Fake Elvis. That's what it is. That was not good for Elvis's legacy. And guys, somebody has to protect his legacy. And the people that should have been protecting his legacy are endorsing this movie. That's a problem. That's a big problem. It's mm -hmm. a big problem. And I, I see it. And like you said, if you go on YouTube or Facebook right now and take up, I saw a man this morning said he finally bit the bullet, watched the Elvis movie. He posted about it in this Elvis chat group, and they are lightening him up, man. They're lightening him up because he's it's like, it's not true. None of this stuff is true. And I want to go stand up for him, but I just, I don't want to fuss with people. Yeah, it's just, life is too short. It's too, it's too crazy. Well, we got to do a part two, don't we, Spy Guy? Okay, so we will do part two, friends. That's all we got for right now. And... I was, I was starting <laughs> to camp right there, Billy. <laughs> <laughs>